Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week's episode, we are going to be diving into one of our, actually, favorite games, which is Coimbra. And then I'm going to talk about a game that my son actually got me for my birthday with the caveat of he had to play it with me. So that's the reason why he bought it. And it's the Golden Ticket game, which is based on Willy Wonka. So we're gonna I'm gonna be reviewing that. And then in the discussion topic, we're gonna move on to part two about collecting. And we're gonna be discussing how Natasha and I go about culling our games. Like what's our criteria for culling our games? But before we get into anything, Natasha, you bought a game at a thrift store that you played with your son, right? Yeah, I bought a couple of games at the thrift store. We actually we had good luck. We found telestrations for like two dollars, brand new, and then we found Machikoro like lights, dark c- cities and lights or something Big for two dollars. Lights or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, it was just actually really good. I liked that one better than the original ones. So we've been playing that. Can I just say that I'm slightly disappointed that you haven't purchased crappy games because that's some of my favorite stuff. Is when you're playing those like Uno Showdown style games. Those make me laugh. I need I, I need I more of that in my life. I did purchase some crappy games, um, but I haven't had a chance to play them yet because they, they're crappy. Yeah, fair. And we don't want to play them. But I did play, we did play Tribons. So I picked up Tribons. It's a game um, made in 1989. And it's actually kind of cool. The The main point of the game is kind of cool. You get, you, you so you roll the dice and you, you get, uh, a, th- a theme so kind of like trivial pursuit where like there's topics and then based on the die roll you have to then the person reading the card has to read that uh one you know it's so, like there's like sports and entertainment and music and um i don't know miscellaneous other things anyways so the card you read the card and it's got three words on it and then you just have to like come up with like what the three words have in common and that's that's how you play the game you just you read these clues to each other and so it's kind of fun like because there are three random words that you know when you have to be clever and come up with something Let me see them. okay a car a tree and an elephant they're all big nope they what all have one it? thing in common uh a car a tree and an elephant yes they all have a trunk yes that's exactly <laughs> it oh my god <laughs> so that's fun i, I like word association games it kind of reminds me a little bit of code names and um uh so clover i love that the the difference is that it's all pre-printed you're not coming up with any of them you know okay so that part of it is cool like the box of cards you get is super cool except for like the entertainment and sports because this was printed in 1989 <laughs> and i wouldn't know anything about sports regardless but i could at least make an educated guess if it was recent uh, so none of those mm. topics are relevant like they're very dated so you can't really yeah you can't really play them like anything related to like there's like a lot of entertainment stuff and all about shows like i've never heard of you know um but okay what makes it really bad is so there's the the game part of it the actual mechanics of the game are you roll the you roll the die to get what category you also roll a six-sided die and then if you win you get to move that many spaces forward but the game is called Tribons. There's three tracks. Instead of one track, there's three tracks. So you have to move all three tracks, but you can just pick on your turn which track to move. So it doesn't really matter. Like, you really could just have one track. I don't get why there's three different tracks that you have to get out your pawn through all three of them. So, like, that's really weird. So it's just a roll and move game, but hardly even a roll and move because 
if you get it right, you can move your die and your pawn along the trap. And there's this challenge feature, which I didn't even read about, and that you can use that to catch up to other people. I didn't read about it, but but I was like, oh, the, but the, I like the cards and I like the, the three questions. So maybe I'll just keep that and throw the game away and just keep the box of cards and we can, you know, use it as a fun activity. But only if we don't use the first two categories, sports and entertainment, because, uh, you know, designed in 1989. Fair. The, the sports thing, I, I would say, even if it was today. You probably wouldn't be able to get it anyway. No, I wouldn't. So I don't but think I it... could at least guess. Like I, could, I don't know. Sure. Some of them, I could, I could have a. Yeah, it'd be fine. So if I just don't roll sports, it'd be fine. I think it'd be fun, funner as a team game because then you can. You're supposed to work together. It's really, I think, supposed to be teams. I think because you know, then not one person has to know everything. Sure. Do you? Let me ask you a question real quick. Do you know who Tom Brady is? Yeah, he's football. Okay. Do you know what teams he played for? No, I couldn't tell you any of them. <laughs> Is he still playing today? I have no idea. <laughs> All right, fair. There you go. Tested your sports knowledge. I knew football. You you did. You did. Yep. Good job. Yep. If there's one football player that most people are going to know, it's going to be Tom Brady. So yeah, you passed. See, I passed. Good job. <laughs> It's it was just funny because I liked the mechan like the the core mechanism of the game the the three clues and having to guess that I think that's really clever and I like that a lot but man is it like super dated like actual board game mechanics mm, yeah that's a bummer mm-hmm. so if you see Tribon at the at the um at the thrift store and you want a box of trivia cards to play like in the car and and you know a lot of like eighties sports knowledge and film knowledge entertainment stuff like you could have a lot of fun with just the box of cards throughout the game and you know just play it in the car or you know somebody could just turn that into a party game yeah like literally just take those cards and redo those things as a party game and you'd be fine probably. it'd be totally fun yeah yeah it, it's, yep. it's so close to being like i bet you you know in 1989 this was a fun game you know just get rid of the board and the whole rolling the dice and moving along these stupid tracks yeah anyways that's uh tribond it's there's a, a new and shrink one on Amazon for like a hundred and some dollars. I would not recommend paying that for it. <laughs> Man, there's some person out there that has so much nostalgia for that game. I guarantee you they probably will buy it. Sorry, it's $58. But in my mind, it was like a ridiculous amount. Regardless. It's still it's way the, too much. Yeah, it's still too high. Because I, I was going to throw mine in the trash. Well, now sell it online for... You what you need to do is go online, sell it for forty five, and people will buy it because it's it's a deal. It's a deal at that point. Well, yeah. mine's not new and shrink; it's uh been opened and played. All right, forty then thirty five. Still, you can get you can make some money on this deal. I'd sell it for twenty and be pretty happy about that. Fair. If anybody wants it, you let me know. I'll ship it to you. Oh my god, no, the shipping is going to cost more money than the actual game. I'm just kidding. I'm going to throw it away. <laughs> don't don't email her. She doesn't want it. She doesn't want it. She doesn't. Want it. Shipping it, jeez. You know how much that would cost? I bet shipping that game is going to be like 15, 20 bucks. Easily. Gross. Yeah, probably. All right, how about we get into some legitimate reviews? Let's talk about some reviews, huh? All right, Coinbra. This is designed by Flamina Brasini and Virgiano Gili. The art is by Chris Qualms. It's published by Eggert Spiel. So Coinbra is a dice drafting game with tracks, yay, 
This game mm-hmm. is played over four rounds, each where you draft dice and cards. The cards give you benefits throughout the game and, of course, end game scoring. The dice you draft each correspond to one of the influence tracks. So whenever you take one of the dice of that color, you're going to be able to move up that track, which then gets you something good throughout the game. And, of course, end game scoring will score first, second, third place on the track. At the end of each round, you're also purchasing voyage cards, which are strictly for end game scoring. Then there's this map in the middle of the board where one of the tracks lets you move your pilgrim around it and you can place your discs on these monasteries, giving you immediate bonuses and more endgame scoring. Each round, new cards are revealed and a pool of dice are rolled. In turn order, players are each going to draft a die and place it in one of the rows of cards. There are three rows of cards to choose from and a row of favor tiles that are also available each round. After everyone has drafted the dice they want, players are going to purchase the cards from the rows that their dice is in. Whoever has placed the highest value will get to uh, draft the card they want first. However, the twist of the game is that the card costs whatever the pip value of the die is. What makes this game so fun and gives it so much tension is the decision between taking the color die you want, because you want to move up that track, but also a low value die, because you don't have a lot of money and you want to make sure you have enough money to buy all the cards you want, but but high enough to where you get the card that you actually want. And, and, And what dice you're drafting and, and the decision around that and which row you're putting it in um, you know if they're if they're the same value it's whoever goes there first so there's just a lot of tension in the dice that you're selecting and I think that's really what makes this game so fun yeah that was a very very quick very brief overview of a, of a game that's slightly more complicated than I'm describing it yeah there's a there's a few extra things that go in this game but yes I agree the tension with that dice is is just so good like you talked about it there's two things you're factoring when you're drafting dice it's no longer just like pip value it is color and pip value yeah so there's you have to like weigh your choices of okay i really want to move up this track there's only one of them but it's six i can get the card i want but i'm spending a lot of money on it so it's it's trying to decide where that happy medium is for what you want. Maybe you neglect that one track you really want it to go up in order to get a die that's going to be slightly better for you, you know, picking those cards. It, it just it comes together in a really unique way with having to deal with both factors when drafting those dice. I do want to take a side tangent real quick. Mechanics aside, I want to talk about the overall aesthetic of this game. Mm-hmm. This is one of those games that when it came out, I was like, Euro games don't need to be brown and beige. They don't need to be dull looking. Mm-hmm. This game looks really, really good. Yeah. I really like it. It's super, super colorful. It's super busy. I have heard complaints that people think it's too colorful and too busy, which is fine. I, I guess I get it. But I like the big, bright colors in the game. I think it's very aesthetically pleasing. And it really makes me drawn to the game and want to look at it. I like it a lot. There is a theme. The theme is that mm. there's a theme. I, I read about it. Um, it is there. <laughs> That's it's good. about the that city is. of Coinbra, but it is non-existent in this game. Like you can 100%. You wouldn't know. I didn't know until I was reading the rule book a little closer. Yeah. it. Uh, the theme, I mean, it's a Euro game. So the theme is not going to necessarily be its strong point. Granted, I mean, there's a lot more Euro games that are coming out that do 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 theme really well i don't think this one particularly does it well like no, yes it's coimbra and you're dealing with the city blah 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 but realistically it's all the mechanisms thrown in this 
I think the people who complain about the aesthetic of the game are probably the ones who want that gray, boring, like beige Euro-y game. I don't know. I really like it. I like the colors. I like the fact that it's, you know, when you look at the table, it has a certain aesthetic. So when some people are walking by, they're like, ooh, what is that game that you're playing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the I think the overall color palette and everything they did is really good. And I think it shows that, you know what, you can make Euro games colorful and it can work. And then as far as the gameplay, I mean, you're drafting dice, which you know I love drafting. You know I love dice. You're moving up tracks. I mean, come on. I'm going to love this game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... I, I very simply explain the rules. There's a lot to this game that I didn't cover at all. So it's, I would say it, it's overall, it's a it's a little bit more complicated. I'd say it's a midweight Euro, but it's definitely more complicated. It's got a lot of like things going on. So, but but it's not heavy where it feels difficult to play and difficult to, to do anything. Like you just feel like you're accomplishing a lot in all the good ways. But there's still a lot of tension, like, ooh, what do I do? I don't want to over I don't want to pay six for it to guarantee I get this card because I don't think Bob's going for it. So maybe I can get away with paying, you know, a two or a one on it because he doesn't want the card anyway. So it just there's there's so many good choices and decisions within this game. Yeah, there's it almost seems like at every point in the game as you're as you're playing, you're thinking about something and the tension about about what you want comes through. So for example, you're, you're drafting cards. There's what four different kinds of cards. There's like council members, merchants, clerics, and scholars. So you're drafting these cards and these cards allow you to do different things. Yeah, and they do different things at different times throughout the game. So like some cards will give you benefits during the drafting and placing. Some of them will give you benefits, um, you know, at different t- different like um, segments throughout the game. They all kind of do different things. And then there's also like end game scoring cards. And then all throughout the game, then a lot of the cards have these like little uh, diploma icons down there that you want to collect too. So you want to try to collect all those plus give you things that will benefit you throughout the game. You know, plus you want to use the dice that move up the tracks that you're going for. You're trying to win those tracks. Well, and there's two sets of uh, two sets of currency in the game too, right? There's there's yep. coins and there's guards. And the cards are going to be cost going to have different costs based on, you know, the type of card it is. Yep. So, yeah, there's just there's so many good things about this game that just kind of comes together in a very like well-done package. It doesn't necessarily I don't think it necessarily seems super overwhelming because it I think it breaks down the phases really well. Yep. So during each phase, you just, okay, so now you're taking the dice. Now you're buying this thing. Now you're doing this thing. So the way they, the way it kind of comes together, I think is very, very smooth for what it is. Yeah, I agree. Once you learn it, you can kind of follow along the different phases of each round and it makes sense. I like everything about this game. I think it's beautiful. It's fun to play. It's really engaging. It, it's satisfying. It's It's got so many um, good decisions. It feels nice and meaty, but it doesn't feel too painful. It's, it's, just, it's just fun in all the right ways. Yeah, and we keep coming back to this word tension. And if there's one thing that seems to be a theme throughout this podcast and when we review games, the thing that we're looking for is good tension. Mm-hmm. That little bit of angst of you better not draft the die I want. You know, and then somebody takes and you're like, ah, man, now what am I going to do? And now you're reevaluating the way you want to play out your turn. Mm-hmm. And this game does that so well at so many different points. Like, that's what I keep coming back to is it's not just simply, 
all right, so this thing happens when you're drafting dice. All right, fine, whatever. But then you're drafting dice and you're placing them in one of the four spots in order to gain cards or gain those benefits. And you and you put them putting them down there in hopes that you can get the thing you want. But then somebody might like outbid you or put something else down and then take that card that you were specifically wanting to get away from you. And now you have to like rethink about your turn and rethink about how you want to approach the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think it just it just it does that at every point. Even when you're, you know, moving up on those tracks, you want to make sure you're ahead of people so you can get the points at the end of the game. So you're constantly trying, you're having this t- push and pull of when do I move up the tracks to get in front of these people? Do I ignore this track? Do I do I focus on this one? And the same thing with moving your little pilgrim around the main central board. You're going in, dropping off your discs at the various spots to gain benefits there too. And again, it it just creates tension at all these points without it being overwhelming. It it struck a very nice balance between the two. It's not overwhelming and it doesn't feel tough. Like you feel like you're accomplishing stuff, which I enjoy. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feel like, oh, so close. I almost did that, but I didn't. No, right. you did it. You you satisfied it. It wasn't too much. It's not too tight, you know, which can turn me off from a lot of games. Yeah, agreed. All right. I'm gonna rate this game a ten. I really like it a lot. I have a lot of fun with it. This is a my style game. It's right up my alley. Like the right amount of length, the right amount of complexity, the 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 gorgeous components, and I just love everything about it. What do you rate it, Bob? So here's the thing. I was looking at my rating on Board Game Geek for this game, and I had originally rated it a nine. And I'm thinking to myself, does this game deserve a ten? Uh-huh. And I'm gonna have to say yes. I'm gonna give this game a ten. So Your I'm trying to be better. Growing. I'm just trying to get better at giving tens away to things that should get tens. This game should get a ten. It's a mm-hmm. good game. It's in my top ten. I love this game quite a bit. I wish it came to the table more. Unfortunately, with just the um, like sheer amount of you know games coming out, it's a little bit more difficult. But yes, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. I'm giving this game a ten. Wow. And people listening are going to be like, Bob, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm like legit. I have no clue. I'm just kind of winging it every single time I give reviews. So, <laughs> just, like you're going to give this game a 10, but something else, nothing, a nine. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I think I just saw his little heart grow just a little bit. No, you did not. Nope. <laughs> no, it's the, it's the Grinch heart. It's just the, yeah. It's just gotten too small. Little, it's warmed up just a little bit. It's expanding. Yeah, the the more and more I think about this game, the more and more I've played it, I just it's a you know it's a top ten game for me because I I really do enjoy this game quite a bit. There's just so many different things that are involved in it that I really like. So yeah, it hits all your like things that you love too. I recommend this game if you like, um, if you like drafting dice, colorful games. You you like. I would say it's midway, uh, midway, a little bit on the heavier end of complexity, but not overwhelming. If you like that um, style of game, I wouldn't say this is a family game. This is definitely more complicated than that. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for that style of game, I think this is a great one. I don't know that anybody doesn't like this game. I think it goes over fairly well. People seem to enjoy it. Although I have heard complaints about the artwork, but they're clearly very boring people that you should ignore their opinion. That's Coimbra. That it's remarkable to me that people don't like the artwork. It's a like it's 
to the point where people will complain about it. It boggles my mind. Yeah. Because the art, I don't know. I really like the artwork. I think the artwork's really good. Mm-hmm. Hornets are nice. The dice are just this really fun color. You know, everyone gets yeah. these little, um, their own little pieces that they put the dice in. So that's how you know which dice now you own because everyone has, you can use all the different colors of the dice. I like that. It uses it a little differently. Yeah, you have a little plastic. Yeah, a little, it looks like a little castle that you put your dice in. Yeah, mm-hmm. a dice holder. Yep. The insert's hot garbage, but I mean, it is what it is. So yeah, it's one of those inserts totally. that have very specific spots for different things and it just doesn't. Uh, it needs to be thrown away, yeah. Yeah, I don't like it, but. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Anyways, that's Coinbra. All right, next up, I want to talk about the Golden Ticket game. This is a Wonka bar buying game designed by AC Adenza. Uh, the artists were not listed, even though I think the art in the game is actually really good, and it is published by Buffalo Games. Where'd you get this game at? Uh, or where did Zach pick it up? I think it was at like Barnes and Noble, or maybe Target. I want to say, but it was gifted to me for my birthday this past year. And there was a very specific caveat because my wife Ashley took uh, the kids out to buy me gifts, and Zach goes, "Well, I want to buy Dad a game." And she goes, okay, but if you buy him a game, you have to buy a game that you're willing to play with him, which <laughs> is is a difficult order. He doesn't, he's not a big fan of games, which is fine. Yeah. You know, whatever, no big deal. And that would mean a lot more to you if he, if he bought you a game that he played with you. Which I'm going to get into something later on this game, later on this review that um, is really the reason why I want to, want to talk about it. But yeah, that's the biggest thing is I'd rather have the experience with him, you know, playing a game with us, but. So, uh, yeah, in this game, players are going to be playing as one of the five children from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, going around to various spots, trying to acquire Wonka bars in hopes of cracking that golden ticket. So this game is interesting because it comes with 60 plastic Wonka bars that have like a recessed area that you can put a golden ticket in, and then you insert them into these individual wrappers. The way the game works is players will be taking actions to gain Wonka bars. As soon as all all the bars are taken, the game ends. But each player now has to open the Wonka bars to see if they got a golden ticket. If you got a ticket, you win. If you don't, you lose. <laughs> so each turn, a player is going to take two actions, and there's three actions to choose from. You can discard a card from your hand to move one space and to activate that space. Each space has a unique action like gaining money, buying Wonka bars, gaining additional cards, things like that. You can play a card from your hand, or the last thing you can do is you can refill your hand up to four cards. The next thing you're going to do is check to see if you're on a space with Willy Wonka. If you are, you get a free Wonka bar. Then you're going to roll a dice and you're going to move Willy to a brand new space on the board. Players will continue taking turns until all the Wonka bars are gone. And then the real fun begins by opening all the Wonka bars. (laughs) Uh, This sounds fun. I'm looking at the pictures. It looks really cute. The art is super good. You're right. The art is uh, very good. So I think what makes this game fun is the theme. It like it really does feel like you're playing the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You're playing as one of the five kids in the movies. They each have a unique power, which is cool, you know. And then, as weird as it is, going through those Wonka bars, it's pretty fun. So <laughs> yeah, sounds fun. Uh, I so this game. Okay, uh, man. This game is interesting because when you first get it, you have to unpackage all the Wonka bars and you have to like fold all the individual wrappers. So the wrappers are like little boxes that you put the Wonka bars in. 
You have one, to fold all of them? Yeah, that it sucked. So I will say <laughs> How many it's is there? There looks like there's 60. Like, oh, there's, there's 60. 60. So what's funny is it says in the rule book when you first get this game and you open it, you have to fold all the stuff and it suggests to have all the players help in order to do it. Which It's <laughs> 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 part of the game. <laughs> it uh it's a legacy game. You can only do it once. <laughs> bro okay so i i did it myself and it sucked that initial like folding all those boxes tucking in the one side and just uh awful but it's actually really cool because one side's open so you don't actually ever open the box you just kind of slide the wonka bar out but the wonka bar on the back is recessed so you can slide one of the golden tickets into that and then based on player count you're going to have so many tickets in the game it's usually uh, one less than the number of players. So in a four-player game, there's usually three tickets. So is there three winners? So that's the thing. It it depends, <laughs> right? So the first game we played, the first game we played, I I got two golden tickets. So I and Zach got one. So then in the rule books, it says if you gain multiple tickets, you can gift one of your tickets to somebody. So I gave it to my daughter Lila, and then so Ashley lost. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the real fun. Everyone yeah, which is mom. A, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, this game this game does have some mean cards in it. So what you do is you play a card and you it forces people to put back Wonka bars or you steal stuff from people. Like there's there's some stuff in there that's, you know, slightly mean, but regardless, the game was fun. So you it's really simple for the most part. You discard a card, you move to a space, you activate the space. There's a couple, there, some of the spaces are just real simple. You gain some money, you know, you, you can spend a certain amount of money to get a certain amount of Wonka bars, or you can gain cards. The other thing you can do, which is an interesting concept, is you can sweep cards. And what that says is you're going to, as you play cards, you're going to be playing them in front of you and they're going to stay there. And what you can do is you can end up sweeping a set. So there's three different kinds of cards in the game, three different like card types, I should say. So you sweep all those cards and then you can gain Wonka bars by sweeping, that sort of thing, which I find interesting. And like I said, the player powers are cool because everyone starts off slightly different. If you're playing Charlie, you don't have much money, you know, yeah. but you have some other activity, other things you can do. Like whenever you sweep, you gain Wonka bars. Uh, there's some of them that, you know, like Veruca, she can, I think she can draw additional cards. There's just there's just a lot of cool little things in there like Augustus Gloop whenever you play all your cards you get to refill your hand that sort of thing. And then like you just keep going around, keep going around and then all the Wonka bars are done and then you just start cracking Wonka bars to see if you won or not. So the so the strategy of the game is just to try to get as many Wonka bars as you can in hopes that you get. But the luck is that you could have one bar and still win. <laughs> Listen, it only takes one, Natasha. If there's one thing I've learned through from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is it only takes one bar. <laughs> That's all it takes. Okay, so how long is the game? It's not actually that long. It was probably uh, 30 minutes maybe. That and does then, not include creating the candy bars. The, so that, no. That first of know. all, creating the candy bars. All right. You know what? That part of the game sucked. It really <laughs> did. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I have to fold all these things? Uh, but the the meeples are screen printed, 
So, or no, maybe more sticker. There's a, I think there's a sticker on them. So you like have, have stickers, yeah. yeah. So you have all these uh, meeples with the different people on them. You have Willy Wonka that goes around, gives you stuff, and the card play is interesting. The card art is is really good. I am I was impressed with how good that card art was. So the the thing specifically about this game was again the caveat being Zach, you have to play it with us. So we one like a recent Saturday we sat down we we're like hey Zach come play Golden Ticket game with us. It's like okay. So we sit down and whenever he begrudgingly decides he's going to play a game with us, usually he'll do it. He's like all right I'm going to go back to my room. Mm-hmm. Okay cool. So we play. He wins a golden ticket. I win two. I give one to Lila. Wah, wah. Ashley doesn't get to go to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. <laughs> it's literally as soon as we're done and we're just kind of like laughing that Ashley didn't get to go. Zach looks and goes, can we play that again? Aw. And I was like, bruh, are you serious? Like, you want to play again? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, done. Let's do it. So then you have to like collect all the Wonka bars. You know, you have to fit the golden ticket. You have to shuffle them up. <laughs> and then we we played a second time, and I think the second time I'm the one that didn't end up with a golden ticket. I think oh, everyone got one, no one got two, so I wasn't gifted a golden ticket. But <laughs> it 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 sounds kind of fun. It seems like a fun family game. Or... It is definitely a fun family game. It's it's honestly not as complicated as you might think. And the funny thing is, Ashley and I were both as we we're playing it, we were kind of like looking at each other and going, you know what, this isn't that bad. Yeah, it's certainly not going to win any sort of awards. For any sort of, you know, game like that. But the theme comes across really well. I think the mechanically it's it's interesting. It has two sides to those to those boards. So you have an A side for the locations and a B side. So you can add a little bit of variability with that. The cards are are interesting. There's some cool things you can do with those cards. It looks like it's got some rules on the cards. So it doesn't look like it's for kids too young. You know, it says 10 plus. Do you think that's accurate? Well, Lila played it and she's eight. Mm-hmm. So she was she was able to play it. There was a couple there was a couple things we had to help her with as far as the cards were concerned. Mm-hmm. But once she kind of got them, she understood them. So I you do have to read the cards because there's some text on the cards. But um, like I said, Lila got it and she did well. So she acquired a bunch of Wonka bars, despite Zach stealing some, making forcing her to put some back, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I like that mechanic in uh, family games and kids games. I would I hate it in you know strategy games that I play, but in family games, it's just really fun for kids to like steal things from mom and dad. You know, oh Zach was stealing it from Lila, and Lila <laughs> was calling him mean. So it was just yeah, like he's just being a jerk. <laughs> it, well, like we were all so we're all sitting there and we're all kind of like playing, and we're laughing or whatever. And Zach goes, "Hey, hey, hey." You guys need to you guys need to listen to what I'm about to do. And he's like, <laughs> plays a card. Lila, put two of your chocolate bars back. Just like <laughs> she goes, you're mean. But then she would do it to him. People would do it to me. Yeah, it's fun and it's fun in family games to have yeah. like take that mechanics. Yeah, just kind of like yeah, nudging the other person. I uh I used my uh my. <laughs> I used my words to get me out of a, a thing a couple times because Zach was going to do something. Because I had like, for whatever reason, I ended up with a ton of Wonka bars more than a lot of other people. Uh-huh. And Zach was about to steal some Wonka bars from somebody. And Ashley is just like, no, do it to dad. He's got like more Wonka bars than any of us. I was like, hold on, Zach. You shouldn't do that. He's <laughs> like, okay, I won't. And then he, <laughs> he starts going for someone else. 
And I'm like, no, dude, you can do it to me. It's fine. No big deal. I'm not going to be upset about it. <laughs> but it's 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 a fun game. And I it was I think it was simple enough that Zach and Lila understood it and could play it. It wasn't they didn't necessarily make optimized moves, but they understood it and they played it. They got Wonka bars, which is the goal of the game. And they opened Wonka bars and then you can get a golden ticket. For as far as Ashley and I were concerned, it was strategic enough that it kept us engaged. The problem I face with a lot of kids games is I just don't like I just don't stay engaged that often. Mm -hmm. I just get bored. And it was and the thing is, maybe a lot of it was just us kind of just joking around as a family. But that's what the game gave us. It gave us that opportunity to joke around and just kind of have fun with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So for that reason, I really I thought it would be good to talk about this game. And I think. Seeing the kids just like start pulling those Wonka bars out looking for that golden ticket was just fun. I mean, I had fun dumping out those chocolate bars trying to find a golden ticket. Yeah. You know, because it's just like reliving the movie. Like, am I going to find it? You know, whatever. You feel like one of those workers in that factory trying to just like go through them and just it was it was a fun experience. I might have to pick this up. Max just did the play at school. Willy Wonka and the musical and it was super cute so he's really into the you know he'd really be into this theme it was it was fun the thing that sucks is you play for 20 30 minutes and you don't know if you're gonna win or not but even then it's like it's not even that big of a deal you know it's it's just fun i would offer to let you borrow my copy but i don't want you to have to not put all those packages together i think that's a that's an experience (laughs) experience, yeah 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 have max do it (laughs) sounds awful so yeah who's this game for it's if you like willy wonka and the chocolate factory if your family likes that movie honestly this is a pretty solid pickup for the most part i enjoyed it we're keeping it we're gonna it's a game that zach's willing to play as a family with us and that for that i think that keeps it makes it a keeper just because that so Mm -hmm. that is the golden ticket game all right, so I have a recommend. Uh, I stumbled on this movie on, on Netflix. It's called Lion. It's like an older one, so maybe people have already talked about it and it's past, I don't know, but I just watched it. It was really good. It's about. It's based on a true story of this boy who grew up in India and was uh, lived in a really poor community and you know spent his childhood like working and searching for food, and he got lost from his family and separated and actually got on a train that took him far away and and could never make it back and ended up getting adopted by a family in Australia and um, remembered, you know, remembered his mom as, you know, when he was in India and ended up using Google Maps to find where he lived. Like he searched for a long time on Google Maps looking for all these clues and and finding his hometown and, and went back to India and found his mom. And um, it was really like really uh, it's not sci-fi or anything nerdy, but it was really good like uplifting story. It had a happy ending. It was really good. I liked it a lot. I immediately got the book. It's based on a book uh, that he wrote called A Long Way Home. And the book is uh, more autobiographical where the movie is a fictionalized version of the story. There's a lot of parts in there that weren't in the book. Um, but the book was really interesting. I read it the next day. I listened to the whole thing in one day. Um, it was really cool on its own. It had a lot more details of what he went through and just all of the 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 horrors of like, you know, being in um, homeless in India and, and, and then in the orphanage. And it was a really good story. And I, I really liked it. Hmm. Yeah, sounds interesting. Yeah. The, the movie's called Lion and then the book is called A Long Way Home. I'd recommend both of them. 
it made me think it it made me think a lot about like um kids who get adopted out of um you know different countries and into other countries and how mm-hmm. you know how much that affects them and 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 then the, of course the impact we can have and like how do we keep kids in their with their families you know this, this mom was like struggling to feed her kids and you know and how can we help them so that these kids can grow up uh with you know in their communities with their families but also fed and be able to go to school so i thought it was really it was really powerful to me and uh it really stuck with me i thought it was really good so i recommend it lion yeah it seems cool yeah mm-hmm. it's and it's and it's it's not sad like there's a lot of sad like really really strong like horrific things that happen but it's got it's overall got like a happy message to it and a happy ending so i don't typically like things that are too sad because they bum me out but <laughs> sure <laughs> so so don't worry it's got a good ending that's the lion is the movie and the book is called a long way home i recommend both of them all right that's going to wrap up our reviews for this episode we are going to take a quick break but then when we come back we're going to be doing part two of collecting and this is going to be us calling games oh my favorite thing getting rid of stuff Ugh, it's the worst thing to do. So we'll see how we tackle it. All right, welcome back. In this discussion topic, we are going to be doing part two of board game collecting. And this is going to be how we go about calling games. And again, so this topic was originally kind of came came up via a email we got from a listener, Nina who kind of talked about, you know, what buckets do you keep games in? Like how many, when keeping games, do you keep games for, you know, for casual people? Do you keep games for, you know, personal favorites, that sort of thing? We, what we wanted to do is kind of talk about how we go about collecting, buying, culling games, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, last episode we talked about our, how we go about buying games and stuff like that. This episode, we're going to talk about getting rid of games, which is probably Natasha's most favorite thing to do in the world, get rid of board games. No, no, no. Get rid of stuff is my favorite thing to do. Board games is just one fraction of it. Although I will say, I just saw this post on Facebook about somebody said, what do you do with your pandemic legacy games when you're done because it's no longer playable? And everyone's like, yeah, that's the dilemma. What do you do? That's why I don't buy them. Like, what do you do with them? You throw them away. Like, why is that so hard? There's nothing you can do with them. You are done playing them. They have been consumed. You have you have experienced the, the, the thing that it has offered to you. You just uh, you throw it in the trash can. Or recycle. You can recycle it if you want. Um, if it's available to you. Or you can, you know, but you know, do what Bob did and put make it into an art piece and then throw the rest of the components away. I don't I don't understand why this is so hard. I okay. I am here giving everybody permission. It is okay to throw away your used things that you no longer need. You're man, you're wow, you're passionate about this. It's so hard. Like people like hoard. This is like people are hoarders. Like it's not healthy. Like it's okay to throw things away. Yeah, people do tend to want to hold on to things probably longer than they should. I know for me, I kept the games around for a little bit, but what I ended up doing is I ended up framing uh all three of my pandemic legacy boards with some of the different components like stickered onto the the boards themselves and i say frame but really i just put them in poster frames i didn't like go out and get them professionally framed or anything along those lines but they look cool yeah now you got some cool artwork and you did something with it but 
I mean, that's awesome that you did that, but like, you don't have to. Like, it's okay to throw your games away. It's okay to buy an exit game, use it, destroy it, and then throw it away. That's okay. Yeah, it's the same thing. People tend to have a lot of issue with like expansion boxes. So they'll get an expansion, they'll take all the components and put it in the base game. What do they do with the expansion box? You know, just in the trash. Yeah, I have a, uh, well, I recycle mine when I do. Yeah, when I say trash, I mean um, trash slash recycle. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, it, um, what do you do with that stuff? You know, what do you, there's a lot of people who have a difficult time getting rid of it. And it's the same thing with games. People have a difficult time culling their collection down to a manageable level. I mean, I'm not saying you should throw away your games that you no longer play. Of course not. If they are used games, you can sell them. There is a market for them. It is tricky if you don't have a great place to sell them. If you want to go online and sell them, you don't want to really ship them. That's expensive. You know, if you've got a local online group that's helpful you know if you don't have a store you can take them to to me i like to take them to the store because i like to just drop them off and be done with them i don't have to do anything they take a cut of it but then that's store credit for me to buy new games with so that's my favorite thing to do with my games that i no longer play because that's the easiest it's nice because being able to acquire the new games with the store credit from selling the old games is nice that yeah. is, yeah, that's, that's, that's something that a lot of local game stores do. And if you have something around your area, definitely look into that. But let's get into the topic then. Let's talk about how we decide how we keep games. So do you have a criteria? You have more, actually, you know what? I know you have a criteria. Well, I'm not, I'm not even going to ask what's your criteria. I know you have it. Mm-hmm. What is your criteria for keeping games? That I play them. If I don't play them or have plans to play them, I, I do get rid of them. Now, there are a few that I'm like, nope, I'm still going to play this. I'm, I'm going to keep playing it, you know, but but that changes over time and I reevaluate it consistently. Uh, one of my biggest things is if is if I forget how to play the game and now it's too complicated and I don't feel like relearning it, then that, okay, it's time for it to go. I have to know how to play a game and I have to be willing to play it at any, you know, any point. And if I'm not, if people ask to play it and I constantly am like, no, I don't feel like learning it or teaching it, then I'm like, okay, I don't need to own it because I'm obviously not getting that played. Do you have a specific number of games that you want to keep in mind? Like, do you have a number in your head like, I'm not going to keep it more than 100? No. no. Or is that does not factor into it? No. Room is probably a factor. I mean, I, I have room. I could buy more shelving units, but I don't want to. Like, I like to keep my collection pr- pretty small. I don't feel like I need a lot of games. So for me, I... You know, every so often I go through them. I'd like to do, I like to do the trades a lot because that's fun to get new games. I can trade all my old games. Um, so I do that a lot and then I trade new stuff and then I end up not playing it. So then I like retrade it with new things and, or sell them and buy new stuff a lot. I've never done a math trade, but I've seen you guys, I've seen you guys do it. It just seems like a lot of upfront work because then you have to assign value to the games and then the way you have to go through a list and the one that you guys do the most of the one that origins it the list is just doesn't seem it's not like alphabetical order it's it doesn't seem like the filtering process is nearly as good as it probably should be and this is coming from somebody that just barely scratched the surface of it so take that with a grain of salt but you're right it's work and it's not easy and and in order to like make it useful for you you'd have to have games on there that you actually want although you can put a money value on it and you can then people can give you cash for your game as well so we discussed this last week about you know your favorite game is scythe Mm -hmm. is that a game you plan on keeping 
I do plan on keeping it for now, but I don't know that I'll keep it forever. Okay. Um, I'm going to hold on to it a little bit longer to see if my son will play it when he's older with me. Um, and if so, that that would be a reason for me to keep it. But yeah, everybody already owns it and I just don't end up getting my copy played. So why do I, would I own it? Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. The problem with me keeping Scythe is that, yes, I could introduce it to new people who haven't played it before. And those are the people that we would play my copy of. I brought it and I was like, let's play my copy. And, and they, they, I taught them. But at this point, like I've played it for so long, I'm really good at it to teach new people and like have them enjoy that experience. It, it, it wouldn't be fun for them. You know what I mean? I like playing side with my with you and people who played it a lot and people who enjoy it. And those people already own it. So I just don't need my copy. It's not a great game that I could pick up and teach new people to play it. Teach my casual gaming friends to play it. So that's part of the reason why I don't really need it. Yeah, I agree with the whole Scythe example. One of the games for me specifically that I feel very similar is uh, Grand Austria Hotel. I recently got rid of my copy of Grand Austria Hotel. And I really enjoy that game. The problem is I've played it online so much that if I'm going to play it, I'm probably playing it online. Mm-hmm. And if I want to play it in person, I know Jeremy has a copy of it. So for me, am I going to continue owning that game? Probably not. Yeah. You know, so that's that's the difficult thing is there are games that I will choose to get rid of that I don't think I'm necessarily going to play. But that isn't ne- that isn't the main reason why I'm going to get rid of a game either is because... Uh, I don't think it's necessarily going to get played that often. So I'm, I am going to hold on to games that I think eventually I will play. Even if I play them like once a year, I'm going to hold on to them. Mm-hmm. And very rarely do I get rid of games that I say, okay, I haven't played this in a long, I have never played this game. Do I hold on to it or do I get rid of it? I'm starting to think differently about that now than I used to. I used to think, okay, I, I need to give this game at least a shot before I decide whether or not it stays. But the fact that it keeps getting pushed out for other games starts making me wonder, should I keep it or should I get yeah. rid of it? You we, know? We, yeah. We only have so much space and we only have so much time. So you, you just can't own, you just can't own everything and, and you're not going to play everything. To me, to me, owning them is about playing them. It's not about collecting them. And that's probably different if you're a collector and I just can't relate to that. And that's fine. But I don't know. You need to have these arbitrary rules on yourself so you don't get too much stuff in your house fair yeah that's agreed the it's it's funny because nina posed the question about do you buy games that are your personal favorites or do you buy games that can be used for in like gaming groups i know for me personally it's it's a combination of the two when it comes to it typically i'm going to have a game that i enjoy that i think will play well with casual gamers uh you know the thing we've beaten to death on this podcast is ticket to ride i own ticket to ride owned a couple versions of ticket to ride i'm going to continue owning that game because it is a game i like and it's a game i know i can teach casual players Mm -hmm. alhambra is another example i'm going to hold on to that game because again i enjoy it and i can teach it to casual people so for me it's almost favorite trumps the bucket of keeping for casual play because in my favorites category, I'm going to have those games. Yeah, you have favorites that will work for casual gamers. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I have both. You know, I, I, I think another reason to play, you know, I would own a game would be if I want to get it played a lot. So I bring it to game night all the time to try to get people to play it. 
that would be another reason why I would want to own the game. You know, and that doesn't happen for me very often because I'm always like people always buy new stuff. And so I'm always willing to play their games. So then I'm like, well, I don't really need to bring anything because I'm always happy to play the new stuff, too. So, yeah, it uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting push and pull about what you keep, what you don't keep, that sort of thing. For me, I've I've gotten to a point, too, where I'm not necessarily willing to hold on to games that aren't great, if that makes sense. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like it need it, they need to. Uh, it's so weird. Like I, I feel like I'm all over the board because there's almost this thing that if the game isn't an eight or higher, why keep it? But there are certain games that are like sixes or sevens that I'm just naturally going to keep because I because of the play. So to to Nina's point, I'm keeping those games to play with like my kids and stuff like that. Yeah. So there there is a little bit of that bucket in there, but it's still a game I like. I'm still giving it you know a seven. Sixes are kind of tough, but in my household, I have what I like to refer to as uh, the Ashley Veto, which if, I, <laughs> if I'm going to get rid of a game, I'm going to say, hey, Ashley, I'm thinking about getting rid of this game. What do you think? And t- t- like 99% of the time, she's just like, well, don't get rid of that game, you know, mm-hmm. which is ironic because she often she's like, you have so many games. And my response is, well, we have so many games. you know and uh yeah and but that's the thing she's just like you have so many games like maybe we should get rid of some so i'm like okay so i'll start pulling games and she's like no 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 and then the game she's like yes get rid of that game i'm like "Eh, but i want to keep that game Mm -hmm. so it's it's tough a little bit more difficult here because there's two of us that are that are involved in that process at the end of yeah. the day, if I'm going to get rid of a game, if I really want to get rid of a game, she's just like, no, keep it. I'd be like, but oftentimes I find myself saying, it, if I keep it, are we going to play it? Or would you rather, if it was between these two games, which one would you rather pick? She's like, well, I'm naturally going to pick that game first. Well, let's keep that game and get rid of this game. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to look at it, to help you think like, okay, yeah, I like this, but I like this game better. And when it comes down to it, we're always going to play this one. So why keep this one? And And game, the thing is like, Games aren't going to last forever. Like, if they sit on your shelf and never get played, they're still going to wear out. You know what I mean? Unless you're keeping everything in shrink. Like, things fall apart with time. So, like, there's... If you're not playing it and enjoying it, like, they're not increasing in value unless maybe... I mean, it's certainly possible. But for the most part, they're they're not... They're they're decreasing. They're getting dirtier. You're, you're, you're getting dustier. They're falling apart. Like, things just... They're not... They're not treasured heirlooms. You don't need to keep them. You know, and if you want them again to play later in life, then you can rebuy them. You know, there's mm. a lot of games I keep on my shelf for my kids. And then as they age out, I get rid of them. I don't need to keep them forever. Yeah, I've gotten rid of, I've had games that I've purchased specifically just to play. And they've, they've, the kids have outgrown them. Like Lila's outgrown some of the games, you know, that, that sort of thing. So then you end up getting rid of those. Because it's interesting with kids, it's slightly different because now you're factoring in, am I going to play this get game with my children? Are they going to like it? Am mm-hmm. I going to buy my son Turing machine? With But even though it's a game more for me than it is for him, is he going <laughs> to like it? That sort of thing. You know, that's the the old that's Turing machine dilemma. That's a different dilemma. <laughs> that's like crap. I bought this for my son. I can't get rid of it. That's just... uh, there are... Um, it's funny because Ashley will sometimes buy games and she specifically bought a game that we're going to we're going to review. Uh, I want her on to review it. And 
it's funny. I was like, yeah, go ahead, read the rule book and teach it to me and we'll play. And she's just like, you know, the reason why I sent you a message and said, hey, should I buy this was so that you would read the rules and like, because whenever she buys a game uh-huh. and make her read the rules to it. So then, and then teach it. So she, this one game in particular, she's like, hey, should I buy this? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I've been interested in it. And then her hope was that I was going to read the rules and teach her. But <laughs> uh, no, 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 that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> got him coach it's hard yeah. she's not gonna buy anything now no she still is she has a handful of games that she's purchased just based on you know things that she thinks she'll like and stuff and so those games are referred to as her games mm-hmm. quote unquote you know those these are my games i'm the one who bought it so like those ones i don't even talk about like getting rid of and specifically the game in question is it came up afterwards like is this a game we keep because it is uh, somewhat of a campaign style game. Like, mm-hmm. is this a game we're going to keep or are we going to like the last scenario is the game is just how you just continue playing it. Is it a game we're going to keep? Is it we're not going to keep? So we kind of had a discussion. I kind of was like, all right, we were going back and forth. I'm like, let's table this so we can talk about it on the podcast and we can hopefully come to a conclusion as to whether or not the game will stay in the collection or not. I'm a big proponent of throwing away old stuff. I, I don't keep it like extra things in my house. I don't store things for later use, you know, except for, you know, my Christmas decorations and our memory books. That's about that's about all. Like I don't keep and store things. So I'm probably the exception. But but I still think that's a healthy mindset. I don't think there's I think if you have a lot of things you need to, you know, it, it, it when you have a lot of things it wears on you. Like it just makes you feel overwhelmed by how much stuff you have. It's harder to to enjoy them. Like you know, unless you've got a really nice setup where you've got room for everything. And, you know, oftentimes we run out of room and that's what really creates more stress in our lives that we just don't need. So I am a big proponent of getting rid of things. I'm giving you permission to get rid of your things that you don't love. And if they're not replayable by somebody else, you know, if somebody else isn't going to be able to replay it, then throw it away. That's completely fine. To be fair, I've held on to the pandemic seasons for a while just in the box so i could you know casually sometimes i would open them and go through some of the stuff but ultimately i got rid of them because again they're not playable i have the stuff that i really like i'm interested in framed in those yeah why is that like that's not like you're not like unique in that feeling like of not wanting to throw it away you know like that's a hard yeah that's a hard thing to fight against i think it's ultimately comes down to an attachment so it's a thing you purchased it's yours you own it it's a part of you and to get rid of it is throwing a piece of you away. Specifically with the legacy games, it can be difficult because of, of the experience you've had playing those games makes it more difficult to get rid of the box because you're like throwing away the experience. They're like associated with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, thankfully, like I, that's how I felt. But at the same time, I have those pieces framed. So for me, I still have that experience that I can look at and say, all right, I know I played this. I know I had this experience, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, do, I like, I personally like the legacy ones that end and you can no longer replay because I can throw them away. The ones that you can now, you now have an individual game that you can get out and play whenever you want. I don't like those because I, I'm kind of done with it. Like I don't want to play it anymore, but I can't resell it. But I feel guilty throwing that away because it's still a completely fine game that can be played. So those are the ones that that those stress me out. And I'm going to work on trying to throw away my Aramachi Coral game. That I had a difficult time with our Charterstone 
So we played Charterstone, the legacy game. And the thing with that game is you can do get a recharge pack and play it again on the opposite side. So mm-hmm. it gives you two boards. We played it and it was just not a very rewarding experience for us. So we didn't have any inclination to play it a second time. And I tried getting rid of it. I tried selling it and saying, hey, like, you know, let's figure out a price or whatever. You know, it's just you, so you could not throw get, it away. Right, right. And I ended up throwing it away. Nobody wanted it. So I ended yeah. up getting rid of it. And it was tough to get rid of that game because it's, I mean, technically we could still play it. We just yeah. didn't want to. But you're not but. going to. So you don't need to keep it. It is okay to give yourself permission to throw things away if you cannot sell them. Yeah, pretty much. But for me, it's weird because I have this like list of things. It's is like, do I love this game? Yes, it stays. No. All right. Now I got to think about it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, do I love this game? Yes. Does it stay? Depends. Am I playing it online too much? Am I playing it online a lot? Am I going to play a physical? Am I going to play my physical copy ever again? No. Okay. Get rid of it. Grand Austria Hotel is a prime example. I really enjoy that game. That said, I'm getting somewhat burnt out on it a little bit, but that, why keep my physical copy? But there's going to be other games that I'm going to say, you know what? I'm playing them online. Like Hadara is a prime example. I play that online quite a bit. I'm not willing to get rid of my physical copy. Because you still like yeah. playing, playing it. I, I do. The, I think I, you're the only one that owns it too. Yes. That could be part of the reason too. That could be could be a factor. So I really wish I had a concrete like system by which like this is my criteria. Once this all hits, like this is determined how I keep it. But it's kind of all over the board. Yeah. Am I going to... Am I going to keep this game because of this or am I going to keep the game for that? But it's it's I think a lot of people are in the ballpark of me where I think you're very normal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a game by game basis if I'm going to whether or not I'm going to keep it. But it is healthy to go through it. And, you know, even if all you're getting rid of is just a couple, like if you're constantly adding new games, you've got to go in and get rid of stuff. It just keeps it fresh. It keeps it all stuff that you love, like and you're more likely to play them when you have a really nice collection. It's all kept nice and and organized or however you want to have it not like piled high on the floor because you don't have shelf space because now you've got too many games well and that's the thing that forces you into culling your collection is just available space at some point everyone runs out of space mm-hmm. you know so that's how we go about culling games it probably is not very concrete in how we do it but that's that's how we cultivate our collections Yeah, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your questions. Let us know what what you think and how you get rid of games at boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week.